Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Kate. Yes. I've got something for you. Oh, I like presents. Oh, I bet you like this. Um, so as you may know, our brother works with me in the library. Yes. I'm walking by him, you know, he's at the circulation desk and he says, Betsy, come over here. I have something to show you. Now, sometimes people will donate their books to the library through the book drop. They're not supposed to. We've got a donation bin on the side, but they do. They just return books. And he shows me the following. Now, you run marathons, do you not? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, but you should. <laughs> and uh, so this is the Chicago Marathon. It is by Andrew Suozo. And I... as you can see, oh, look, it's signed to you, Kate. It's for Kate. Would, would you like to read the inscription to you? For Kate, whose wealth of wisdom on running is an inspiration. May we both be running together 10 years from now. Andrew. Aww, Evanston, so March 4th, 2007. Well, and don't think it's an aberration because look, we also got the book Marathon, which is a novel. And it's signed to Kate. Oh my gosh. So I got you two. Oh, great. Two books signed to you. Do you know I used to work for the Chicago Marathon? Did you really? I you did. actually did? I did. Aww. And on the day of the marathon, I would have to man the phones because people would call and say, there is a marathoner peeing on my lawn. What do I do? <laughs> and I said, nothing. <laughs> I would do nothing. That person is probably high on life in America because they've been running for so long. I, so, I am yeah. training for a 5K, and today I did run nonstop, which I am happy with. Well done. But uh, that's not actually what we're here to talk about today. No. We are here to talk about... Uh, marathons of books? Yeah, sure. That's, that's good enough. Yeah, half a point. Uh, yes, uh, marathons of picture books, in oh. fact, and whether they are good or not good. Uh, now, today's is another suggestion from the public, from the listening public. It is a little odd that we haven't done anything by either this author or illustrator yet. So today we are writing a great wrong and good news, it's a Caldecott Award winner! I shall run towards it. Yes, you... Uh, yeah, sure. keep up the pace, Betsy. Uh -huh. <laughs> I know, I'm always two feet ahead of you. All right. Uh, hey, Al. Bye. Arthur, your... Your rinks. Your rinks. That's how he will now be known. <laughs> Illustrated by... Richard Iglesias. No, that's a Gelski. I was very willing to go with the Yul Riggs, but I'm not going with the Gelski for this one. Yes, hey Al, Caldecott award-winning illustrator with only once for this book. Uh, yeah, it's all yours. Okay. Go read that book. While Kate does her read, let's do a little background information on Hey Al. Specifically, I was going to kind of just give information on Richard Gelski. I didn't know much about him, uh, and I looked him up. 
Turns out, he's a very normal guy with a very normal life. The most prominent thing on his Wikipedia page is that he studied at the Parsons School of Design and studied the art of picture books alongside Maury Sendak. So, you know, that's cool. Arthur Yorinks has been around for a million years. He's done a million books. So they both are very New York guys, but I wasn't finding much until I found an interview with them on a little show called Books Alive. I will put the YouTube link in the show notes. Basically this show, which gives Reading Rainbow a run for its money when it comes to 80s techno wonders, um, interviews the two of them about a variety of books, but there is a section in there on Hey Out. Now in that section, Richard Agelski says that he tried doing the pictures for this book in a lot of different ways. He got a very good graphic sense of the book, and he, what he wanted to do is he wanted to show how Al and Eddie are literally boxed in. Uh, then in that moment where they, they go to the island with the birds, that's when it really expands. It's a very where the wild things are kind of thing that he's doing there. Now, the really where he got the idea though, and this is kind of neat, is he was watching a made-for-TV play and you know how sometimes they would have uh, the characters in one room and then the other rooms, the lights would just go out so your focus is just on one room. That's what gave him the idea for this book. Yorinks, for his part, says that the words in this book have to be evocative enough to inspire not just the reader, but the collaborator as well. And he also said that the final line, which is paradise lost is sometimes heaven found, was a line that he had just thought up one day and then carried around in his pocket for around six months so, that's how you do it, folks. Okay, before we get started, I just want to quickly say, do you remember growing up, uh, we were both friends with the Martins? Yes. Do you remember playing the game Hey Al? On no. Their, the, where you would be on the top of the bed, and someone would be under the bed, and you'd stick your head over and say, Hey Al, and then that person tried to grab you because they were an alligator? Oh. I always wondered if the title came from this, but since there's a distinct lack of alligators in this book, <laughs> maybe not everything. It's primarily birds, one dog, and one fish. Oh, is there a fish? There is a fish. I did not remember the fish. I remember the dog. There's a single fish that is trying not to be eaten, I think. That's uh, a, a worthy idea, but there's a lot of birds in this book. There is an ostrich, which you should add to your collection of ostriches in children's picture books. At one of these days, I'm just going to add it as a thing on my website. Here's all the different famous people who have illustrated ostriches at some point in children's books. I, and this would certainly be there. I think it's on the back of the book, right? It's at the back of the book and inside the book as well. well. Excellent. <laughs> I, I, I judge an illustrator on how well they could do an ostrich. Well, we're, we're jumping ahead. So right, right, let's, right. let's introduce the folks to this book if they've never heard of it, like me. Sure. So we meet this guy, Al. He is a janitor. He lives in a studio apartment on the west side with his dog, Eddie, who reminds me of Eddie from Frasier. Oh my gosh, he looks exactly... Yeah, because he's a Jack Russell Terrier, right? Yeah, but... This was 1986, so it's around the era when the Jack Russell Terrier was really taken off. Remember Wishbone and yeah. all the other things? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so we got Al, and we got Eddie the dog, and the first page says, What could be bad? And I'm like, um, living in a hundred square foot closet with I your dog. I love how small this apartment very, very clearly is. Like how close the bed is to the stove <laughs> where the TV is propped up. Yeah. Oh, it's it's tiny. It's t it's it felt very realistic. Um, 
And I, I do like how it's just a box surrounded by whiteness on the page, but you get to see him stepping into that tiny box right at the beginning. He does have a bathroom, I, I later found out, it is on yeah, the other side of the door. there is a second room. But I was just thinking but... to myself, uh, what could be bad? Uh, not having a no toilet. toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say right up there. But you turn the page and it says plenty and i'm like oh okay all right cool there we go all All right right. we're being realistic here so we got the dog that talks now uh who says why can't we have a house and a backyard and al is like oh yeah today you want a house tomorrow maybe the moon and they're just going like back and forth uh like an old married couple i lived in a studio i know what it's like it wasn't this tiny though and i'm thinking if the dog wants a house what is the dog doing for money (laughs) The well, dog just dog, he just goes with. Uh, I mean, admittedly, he could display my talking dog. Exactly, yeah, you can make a lot of money being a talking dog. Mm-hmm. But instead, he just follows Al to his janitor job, and that's it. Well, at least he doesn't have to stay at home. So it says that they were always working, always struggling. It was always something. And then one morning, Al's in the bathroom. I'm looking at this bathroom. I'm like, okay, I see a plunger. I don't see a toilet brush cleaner at all. So... Story checks out. I actually, well, he is a janitor, so maybe he takes it to work. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. I'm just really glad that this toilet is closed. Well, I like the detail. I like the stains. I like the stains on the ceiling. I like the stains on the wall. I like how realistic oh, yeah. this room is. And the little crack in the plaster there. It's... I mean, there was some work put into this. It's legit. Yeah. But all of a sudden, this gigantic blue bird comes into the bathroom through a window And sounds like he's in legal infomercials. (laughs) What does he say? Al, are you working too hard? Still struggling and going nowhere? Hmm? Listen, have I got a place for you? No worries, it's terrific. And then Al Al is like, what? What's going on? I mean, I'm used to hallucinating that my dog is talking, but this is just way, way too much for me. And then you got the bird coming in again. Al. Al, Al, you need a change, baby. <laughs> Tomorrow, come and be my guest. Eddie, too, you'll love it. Okay, honestly, I saw the, both the author and illustrator speak, and they both had the thickest New York accents. I think you are actually reading this correctly. <laughs> well, that's, that's the vibe I'm getting. And so all of a sudden, the bird just leaves. Uh, and the, now Al and Eddie are talking out, like, you know, should they leave the janitor job to go with this talking blue bird to follow a dream they never had before exactly well eddie who doesn't have a job is leading the cause here and is like we're doing this it's the blue bird of happiness and we're gonna follow you're gonna quit your job and we're gonna follow this gigantic blue bird mm-hmm. even though it's new york and it should be yellow so <laughs> that's that's so yeah. all of a sudden the blue bird comes back uh picks up Al, who is holding on to Eddie and a suitcase, and they fly thousands of feet upwards into the sky to go to this paradise island. Oh, it's a floating island. It's a floating island oh, in the sky. That explains it. And then Eddie drops, uh, no, Al drops his suitcase, in which I'm like, Eddie, you better be really happy that he dropped the yeah. suitcase and not uh-huh. you. <laughs> uh-huh. But all of a sudden, they, they get to this unbelievable island with lush trees and gorgeous grass and waterfalls and pools of water and it's just a beautiful oasis and uh and they fall and there's all these all sorts of birds are now here we've got 
you know, an ostrich. We've got a flamingo. We've got a penguin. Oh, we've got some references to Lewis Carroll here. There's a dodo with a human hand holding a, a cane. That's straight out of Alice in Wonderland. And those It's super creepy. Those two birds <laughs> with the really long legs, I think may also be they're from something. They're from, but that's a nice ostrich. And look at that, three toes. He paid attention. He knows how to do an ostrich. Yeah. But they're all birds. This is, it's just an entire all page birds. of birds. You got yep. doves and you got some bluebirds and whatever. Roosters and penguins and flamingos. Exactly. Uh, oh, I, I apologize. There are two fish in this book. Oh. One of them is in the mouth of a pelican. Yeah. The other one is near a waterfall. So really? we got fish. All right. Okay. So, and there's the other fish. You turn the page. Uh, oh, yes. Al is just chilling in a waterfall, eating fruit that is being served to him by, uh, like, a crane. I'm hearing the song, Do You Like Pina Coladas, uh, playing oh, yeah. in the background yeah. as he's doing this, yes. It's, it's, they ate and they drank and they swam and it's just, uh, it's, it's heavenly. They, they call it, they, it says, Al and Eddie decide that this was ecstasy. But you know it can't be all good. Is there, is there a dark side to Paradise, Kate? There sure is, Betsy. And when the dark side happens, they, <laughs> all the birds turn their backs oh. on Eddie and Al who wake wow. up turning into birds. Yep. Mm-mm. I really like that all the birds that are there are turning their backs on them. Um, and they're like, I see nothing. I hear yes. nothing. Uh, nothing is happening except for the main blue bird here who look the one that brought them here. Yeah. He's like, <sighs> Al, do I look like I care? Al, we had a deal. I don't. You come here, you turn into a bird. That was the deal. I'm sorry, did I not make that clear? Uh, apparently not. Uh, because, yeah, Eddie, Eddie's got a beak, and Al has his arms turning into wings, mm-hmm. and they're freaking out. Yeah. And they said, we got to get out of here. And so they're trying to fly, and uh, Al is like, I'd rather mop floors as he flaps furiously oh, into the air. I just realized, I was like, where did he get the shorts? Because he dropped his suitcase. That's his pants. Just the legs are, like, so yeah. rolled up. He had, like, these huge, like, 80s work pants that he was just rolling up to turn them into shorts. Okay. But he still has his hat on. Well, you know, he's not. Until what? they are flying over the Hudson, <laughs> in which Al loses his hat. And this is sort of an anti-Icarus tale. <laughs> Eddie, the dog, is exhausted from flapping his little wings that he plunges oh. into the water, it says, and was gone. And was gone. I'm like, what? why doesn't Al go back to save Maybe his he dog? Well, he was obviously in front, so he just didn't see. Maybe he, by the time he saw, he was too far away. Y- y- but yeah. Uh, y- ha- also, is that a twin tower? I think that's a it, twin tower. It could be. I think it is, because if you're coming in from the Hudson, yeah. Well, it depends on what angle, yeah. But... Well, now we've got uh, one man and no dog. One man, no dog. We're down a dog. It says, Al barely made it home without his friend. He was heartbroken. Look, the door... Okay, so the... In the beginning of the book, the room was on the left-hand side page, and the words were on the right. Now the words are on the left-hand page, and... Oh, he's coming in from the bathroom. That's why. Yeah, he came in through the window. He wasn't going to be coming in from the door if he was coming from the door. Oh, that's he, interesting. He's coming in the opposite way the book turns, which I've heard uh, art directors hate. 
Oh, well, yes. He came in through the bathroom into his one room. He did not go through his front door, which tells us how long he's been gone because you can count how many newspapers are piled up outside of his front door. Yeah, how long was he gone? He was gone. About a week. Okay. It's about six days or so. He has lost his job. Yes, absolutely. Well, he quit his job. (laughs) Oh, that's that's fine. Yeah. Uh, But now he's by himself. But wait, fortunately... The dog is able to go through the front door because he survived because he's a talented swimmer and he swam the Hudson and he got to the west side and he got to the apartment and he's back with Al and lo and behold. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They took a suitcase of all their belongings. They did. They're out some stuff. Right. Yeah. But you look in the bedroom, the bedding is all still there. Well, they weren't going to take a bedding with them. The calendar on the wall is well, still there. What kind of trip do you go on? Do you pack your bedding and your calendar? And the dog bowl is still there. Oh, I don't. I wouldn't pack a dog. Do you t- pack a dog? You bowl? absolutely all pack right. a dog bowl if maybe you are moving. Never, well, maybe he's never been on a vacation and he didn't know he needed a dog bowl. Really? Yeah. You're leaving the your home forever, and you don't know you need a dog bowl well, when you have saying. a dog that can talk and complain. Why is... I suspect he's had a lot of shirts, which would explain his lack of shirt. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. he kept one in the closet. Maybe he better have one, because otherwise <laughs> it's going to be hard to buy another one. But you turn the page. He's used all those piled up newspapers to, oh, it's the same to cover the bed and to start painting his walls, and it says... Paradise lost is sometimes heaven found. And I'm like, mm, or it's really, it could always be worse. Oh my gosh, that's what I was going to say. This is clearly a variation on it could always be worse. It could always be worse. It could you always can, be can, worse. Also, notice that he is painting the wall the same color as the end paper. So yeah. The end paper is the exact same shade of yellow sure that he is, is going to uh, paint his walls. And that's the book. Oh my. Well, there's a lot of work that went into this. Um, I should say, this is one of the very rare cases where I remember reading this. The aforementioned Martins that we hung out with as children had this book. Uh, They owned it. And I read it there. And I remember being perturbed by this book. I found it dark. Now, I often found books that Richard Agilski illustrated to be dark. There's some book, it was on Reading Rainbow, I think it was called Lewis the Fish. That's a weird one. This one is also weird. Not as weird. But that whole, I'm turning into something against my will, I've got to get out of here, that nightmarish aspect has stayed with me for years. And then you married someone with the last name of Bird. Uh Uh-huh. Coincidence? (laughs) I think not. Because now I'm, I have turned into a bird. Now you've turned, into, turned a bird. into a bird. I've turned into a bird, yeah. Yeah, there's, there, there was no escaping it, as nope. it turned out. Yeah. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy. Rating sign. You go first. I actually enjoy it, but I have to take my, oh, let's say I was, I was older. I think I was nine or ten when I read it, but I still was unnerved uh, by the book itself. So I have to take that into account. Um, but even so, I have to say... I can understand why it won the Caldecott. There's a lot of artistry to what is going on in this art. He's doing a very, and I, I think I said this in the behind the scenes thing, there's a very where the wild things are thing with the art where it starts out small in like just the box of a room. And then when you get to the island, it like spans to the two pages and it fills all the way to the edges. And then when he's back, he's back into the like the, the small box with the white. Um, 
But, and you know, and then the color of the end paper is matching the color that he's painting on his wall. There's a lot of thought and care that went into this book. The writing is perfectly fine. I'm not the number one fan of it, but I have, just based on the art alone, I'm, I'm going to make it an even six. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that Eddie and Al got out of their rut to try something new, even yes. though it didn't really work, didn't work out. out. But you know what? A but lot of fast-talking scam artists take advantage of people who are just, you know, dissatisfied with their lives. Yeah. Can't blame them. And these aren't all flightless birds that are on this island. So if this has happened to other people turned birds, that was my theory. why don't the doves and the sparrows, why don't they leave? Like apparent, I suspect some people would prefer to be birds. You know, people always want to fly. Hmm. I think some of the, I think those are all the people who wanted to stay. And the whole reason they're turning their backs is that these people are rejecting this glorious gift they're being offered. And, uh, and that's shameful to the denizens who want to be there. Well, I'm on the opposite spectrum of you. I'm not sure this should have won a Caldecott. Oh, interesting. Um, the birds are cool, but it's not hard to draw a studio apartment. Uh, it's really not. <laughs> and I thought the Rainbow Goblins, the book that we did last episode, was way... Like, that should have gotten a Caldecott. I can't. It's not from America. Well... got to be from America if you wants to win the Caldecott. Too bad. It yeah. shows to Sorry. It still show one one. That's how the rules are. Um, I don't like that Al just left his dog to he die. He totally left his dog to die. I know in the he Hudson. had the tearful reunion, but man, I've seen that water. I wouldn't put a living creature in there. But I, I do like the big blue bird who could care less that they're turning into birds. <laughs> so I'm a down the line five. Oh. So I so guess. It's a toe over the line classic. It's a classic. toe over the line I think classic. That's fair. Yay. All, All right. right. Letters time. Okay, so much. Apparently, I did not realize. So we just did, as you mentioned, the Rainbow Goblins. I was unaware of the sheer amount of love that this book would do. First of all, we had the people who were just shocked to see it. And, like, let's see, like, Jenna said, oh, wow, total flashback moment. I remember this book. Uh, one person, I wish I could find it, said, like, her kindergarten teacher read it to them. I'm like, that is Yikes. some kind of kindergarten teacher. Chris Barron said, I gasped when I saw this. As a kid, I spent hours living inside the world of this book. It ignited my imagination. Lori Himmel said, my husband's favorite book growing up. The pages are well read. Aaron Zenz, the great illustrator, said, my sister had this book and I loved sneaking into her room to read it. I should oh, yeah, say... the art is the, yeah. spectacular. And a lot of these people later turned into artists. Makes um, sense. In the case of Aaron Zenz, doing very epic grandiose landscapes in their yeah. in their books so that makes sense now it was uh nathan hale who he gave me a little background on the book uh you know he mentioned the fact that it was a you know it was a rock album and there was a sequel the white goblin i knew all that that was all from the episode so i wasn't you know overly thrilled but then i did not realize this so stephanie uh the third sister yes okay stephanie says on twitter Oh my God, Fusate. My fossil kid is reading Nathan Hales, the guy who gave me that information, uh -huh. latest book, which is called The Mighty Bite. And as you know, he adores your podcast. Uh, that would be her son, not Nathan Hales. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> look what he just showed me. So this is a, a section that says important survival gear, and it shows all these different things. There is a small, it says a small paperback novel 
but I'm not so sure that's a paperback novel. Can you read what the name of that novel is? Rainbow Goblins. Rainbow Goblins. But it's not the Rainbow Goblins. Oh, come on, man. There's nothing else. We just had a comment from him saying he knew what this book was, (laughs) and he put it in his book, which has just been released. Uh, I have to. I hope he doesn't get sued. I hope he doesn't get sued by who? (laughs) No one, like, I was going to say, no one remembers this book, but that's not strictly true. That's a lie. That's a lie. (laughs) Clearly a lie. Now, uh, one person who commented was also Nick Brule, who has commented many times before he does the Bad Kitty books. He commented about it and he, he said there was all this background information. And then he follows up with a different comment. You're gonna, you're gonna slay me for this. Okay, he says, So clearly I'm an idiot. I'm only figuring out for the first time that each of these books you cover is also a podcast episode. He says, you need to drop your links in your posts or in the first comment for knuckleheads like me. Now I have 264 episodes <laughs> to listen to so I can catch up. Aww. It is true that when I put the posts on uh, Facebook, I like to put the cover image there. And then if you click on the cover image, it takes you to the link. I did not realize that it wasn't clear that these were podcast episodes. Uh, so yes, at his suggestion from here on in, I will be including the link in the comment section as well so that it is clear to people that we are not simply covering he just thought we enjoyed old books okay well to those of you who have been listening from day one thank you very much yes you guys get you should have like pins or something we need to make swag we need to make swag if we go to ala this year we could make swag we could make swag well we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about (laughs) grown-up things we like Okay, I'm going to let my nerd flag fly for oh, a second here. Right, I'm going right. to wave it around. Yeah, I'm a nerd. Uh, I went to the Alamo Draft House. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's a movie theater. Uh, it's a chain. And you they went just, to the Chicago one, I think? They, they just created one in Wrigleyville. Yeah. Uh, and That's I, out distance, though, right? No, it's not too bad. And mm. I just saw the new Dungeons & Dragons movie featuring yeah. Chris Pine. And it was so much fun. Yep. Uh, the pre-movie things that they show at the Alamo, they don't do previews. They do things related to the movie. Uh, you know, so this was all like Dungeons and Dragons themed pre-movie stuff. And they showed Tales from the Stinky Dragon puppet videos that you see on Instagram, as well as clips from shows like Stranger Things and Community that feature D&D, which oh, I thought was so cool. I love the Community episode. Yeah. Yeah. So the movie itself was a lot funnier than I thought it would be, and the story made sense, and there should be, for those of you who have seen it, more owl bears in the world. I give it two thumbs up. (laughs) I highly recommend it. Uh, Even if you know nothing about Dungeons & Dragons, it's a delight, and Hugh Grant was born to play a villain. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. Paddington 2. I haven't seen it. Oh, wait. Yeah, Paddington 2, I'm correct, yes. No, but yeah. he is a great villain in this. Oh, so. good. There well, you that's go. good. You know, Pop Culture Happy Hour absolutely adored it, and my husband saw it this week, and he loved it, so I'll be taking the kids. Oh. Uh, it's, I think, PG-13. That's fine. They've seen worse. Okay. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, okay, so mine is also a movie, uh, but mine is one that came out many, 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 many years ago. The only reason I even knew about it was because one of the actresses won an Oscar, and many people felt she didn't deserve it for her comedic role. So, of course, I'm talking about My Cousin Vinny. And there's always a danger. Um, do you remember the whole oh, controversy yeah. around My Cousin well, Vinny? No, yeah. I, I remember the movie. Have you, have you seen it? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, a while well, ago, I but I never saw it. Oh. And I was like, I want to see this movie, and I want to see if it holds up. Because many is the time you see a movie from the 80s or early 90s, this is an early 90s film, and it does not. And I'm a little concerned, because it takes place in the South, and I'm like, okay, there's going to be some bad stuff in this. As it turns out, if it's making fun of anyone, it's making fun of the people from New York, New Jersey, wherever they're from. You know, the Goombas who are coming down there. Honestly, the people in the South are not stereotyped at all. Um, const- you know, they have arrested these kids, but they had very good reasons for doing so. You see the kids insulting them left, right, and center, but the people are just sort of like, what? It's very well integrated. The jury is like both black and white citizens. It is never makes fun of the people from the South at any time. I was shocked. There were no weird racial things and horrible jokes. The The sexism was like not even present. I was like, what the freaking heck? It stands up. Oh, and best of all, it is a soundtrack of really good country music rather than that wall of keyboards that you get with a lot of movies from that time. I'm looking at you, Witness. Uh, and so I, the jokes land. It, it, it's actually pretty funny. And I love the ending. I gotta say... I'm a fan of my cousin Vinny. So our grown-up things is one very, very new movie and one very, very old movie. Let's see which one stands up longer. We'll see. Yeah, yeah there you go. All right. So, uh, yeah, we've been doing some pretty popular books recently, um, except... Well, and I didn't expect Rainbow Goblins to be a popular book, uh, to be perfectly frank. <laughs> we need to start doing some spring books, because spring is oh, here, yeah. flowers are blooming. All right, I'll see what I can see in the old spring. Pollen's in the air. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and we'll have missed uh, Easter, but that's okay. There's really only one classic Easter book. See if you listeners can remember what it is. Um, so I'll find something springy. How okay. about that? All nice. right. And until I do, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8, Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our third owl is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird.